The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. To find out more about this talk show or other talk shows broadcasting on KUCI, log on to our website at KUCI.org or check out the latest program guide. You're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine and KUCI.org on the web. Welcome to Privacy Piracy. I'm Lloyd. I'm the show's engineer, and your host is Mari Frank. Mari's a local attorney and certified information privacy professional. She's the author of several books, including Safeguard Your Identity, From Victim to Victor, and The Complete Idiot's Guide to Recovering from Identity Theft. She's testified many times in Congress and the California Legislature on privacy and identity theft issues. And you may have seen her on Dateline, 48 Hours, CNN, NBC, ABC, O'Reilly Factor, and many other shows, including her own 90-minute PBS television special, Protecting Yourself in the Information Age. To learn more about this radio show and our great guests, please visit KUCI.org slash Privacy Piracy. Hey, Mari, what's our show about today? Well, Lloyd, today our show is about security breaches. And, you know, I am so thrilled because we are welcoming back our our usual who we have on at least every year. She is wonderful. She has not only been a colleague of mine since 18 years ago, 1996, but she has also become a good friend. And I'm so pleased and honored to support the Privacy Rights Clearinghouse. So let me tell you a little bit about this wonderful, incredible woman, Beth Givens. Beth Givens is the founder and director of the Privacy Rights Clearinghouse, which was established back in 1992. And we'll call it the PRC. That's the acronym for it. The PRC is a nonprofit consumer information and advocacy program located in San Diego, California. And its website provides incredible extensive resources and tips for consumers on a variety of information privacy issues. And Beth has participated in many public policy task forces at the state and federal levels. She has testified in Congress. She's testified in the California legislature. She speaks to the media. She's on TV. She's on radio. Thank God she's on our radio show. She's constantly talking to journalists. She, I, I could go on and on for days talking about all that she's done and what a incredible person she is, but we do have more information about her at our website at KUCI.org slash privacy piracy. And also you can find out a lot more about her and the great work that they do at privacyrights.org. I just want to also mention that last year she was a Money Magazine Money Hero, and she is my hero and my friend, and I'm so thrilled that you're joining us today, Beth. Thank you so much for joining us from beautiful San Diego. Well, thank you very much, Mari. I really appreciate it. So there is so much going on. You've been a regular on our show for so many years. But for our new listeners, let's tell them a little bit more about the great work that Privacy Rights Clearinghouse does. Yeah, Mari, you you covered it very well. Uh, I would add that we invite um, consumers' complaints and questions, and uh, we have a, a, a very nice online complaint form that people can go to our website and use. And our staff will do our best to answer your questions, uh, give you recommendations on what you should do regarding complaints, which government agencies to complain to. Um, in, in addition, by the way, as you, as you well know, Mari, there's not uh, privacy is one of those areas where there's not necessarily a law 
that uh, covers all the different kinds of privacy abuses that happen to people. So we also have a lot of tips just for safeguarding your privacy, um, and especially in those cases where there really isn't a law where you can go file a complaint or hire an attorney. So we, we take people's complaints and questions, as I said, um, provide information. You mentioned our website. We've got um, over 70 um, consumer guides. We call them fact sheets and uh, about issues like um, your credit report, identity theft, your smartphone, medical records privacy, employment background checks, uh, social security numbers, just about any kind of topic um, that uh, privacy topic that occurs to people in the marketplace, we generally have a guide on it. Uh, another big area, of course, is online privacy. And also, we have a lot of your testimony in Congress out there and your speeches, which are incredible as well. So there is, yes. there's yes. a we, lot we've there. Always, we've always thought it important to, to post on our website when we provide uh, comments to uh, like a federal agency like the Federal Trade Commission or the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau. Um, and, and yes, that's part of our work. It's an important part of our, our work, is reaching uh, policymakers. Yes, and you even have a lot, you have a whole chronology of of all the work that, I mean, all of the security breaches that we've been, we're going to be talking about today. So it's just, you, I mean, that's how I got help when I was a victim of identity theft back in 1996. That was the only place on the web that I got help. And then from that, we became, um, you know, colleagues and friends and worked together and just it's evolved. And I just, you know, I honor you, Beth. You're just the best woman, the best consumer privacy advocate that I know. So, yep. Anyway, let's talk about some of the top complaints that you get, though. Yes, uh, we've gotten some interesting complaints lately. They really cover cover the waterfront. Um, an interesting one lately, though, uh, was what we what we would call imposter fraud. And by the way, there's a lot of imposter fraud going on right now, according to the Federal Trade Commission. But we heard from somebody who had been contacted by an individual who claimed to be a process server. And uh, he said that he had documents that uh, he was going to deliver to this person um, and wanted to make sure that he would be home to receive the documents, but said, hey, uh, we'll, we'll settle the debt um, before you go to court. Just pay us, you know, X, Y, Z amount of money. Well, thankfully, they figured out that it was a, a scam. Um, there are actually a lot of these kinds of scams. You might be contacted by, by uh, online by someone who says, um, you know, you didn't... Uh, uh, you didn't report for jury duty, and your fine is going to be such and such. Go to this website and pay pay the money, and then there won't be a criminal record against you. You know that those those are um, obviously scams. Oh um, yeah, you know Beth. One of my friends just called me last night that she had a, a, a one of those scams. It was a guy who claimed to be a policeman who said she didn't pay her ticket. Mm-hmm. And and you know she was out of she was out of state, so she just kept asking more and more questions. She knew it was a scam, but at first he really scared her. Said, "Well, if you pay your four hundred dollars right now with your credit card, I'll yeah. make it go away." And obviously she knew it was so. So yeah, you have to be so careful. You do. On In the fact, phone. one of our staff members um, got a very convincing looking email saying that she owed uh, money that she didn't pay for driving on a Southern California toll road. Well. As it so happened, she had recently uh, driven on a Southern California toll road, but she paid. But it was such a convincing-looking uh, email that she, she came, you know, this is a privacy expert. She came very close to paying 
that fee when it, when it was obviously a scam. Yes, yes. So, it, it, yeah, these things are, they're getting very clever. Unlike the old phishing emails, they're much more clever. So you have to stop whenever you get that and look up the number or look up the real website and find out, like if it's somebody saying they're the police or a process server, ask them, what is your name? What is your license number? You know, what, you know, what is the phone number? What is everything? And then call up the real number that you can find, yeah. you know, either in the yellow page or online because you're right it's very convincing yes and it's oftentimes very effective yes they're 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 so clever why don't they use that cleverness to do something right in the world you know well exactly <laughs> uh, another by the way another uh, scam that we just heard about from an individual who contacted was um, he had posted a resume to a job board and as he was looking for work, and as a result of that, he was targeted with several job scams asking him for money to complete a background check and to buy products. And, and um, thankfully, he, he was aware enough to know that it wasn't real. But a lot of people these days are desperate for work. Yes. And, and they easily get taken in on these job scams where they're asked to send money like for a background check or, or for whatever. And, it, of course, no employer, legitimate employer, is going to ask you to send money to pay for the background check. Right. And then there's the grandparent scam. One of my clients, her mother, gave um, $10,000 by Western Union, thinking she oh. was protecting one of her grandchildren, which it wasn't one of her grandchildren. It was So, again, you know, they, they, they prey on people who are vulnerable, like people looking for jobs like you just talked about, or grandparents who want to protect their grandchildren. It's, it is really very, very tragic. So let's go on to uh, massive security breaches, because I'm sure you can, they can find out more about the scams on your website, too. So let's talk about the massive security breaches that we're hearing about, whether it's Target or whether it's you know, Home Depot or uh, whoever it is. So and now the breaches are in the headlines every single day. So why don't you talk a little bit about that for us, Beth? Because I know you've been monitoring this for years. Yes. Yeah, we have been monitoring data breaches actually since 2005, so it's almost 10 years. And we have a, a summary or a chronology of data breaches. It's it's the most popular uh part of our website, but we've got uh, short descriptions of, of each breach, and then we categorize them. Is it a medical breach, an education breach, government, a financial institution? And you can go on our website, and, and if you're doing research, for example, on medical breaches, you can pull out just those. Um, and, and like I said, we get, we get a, a, a lot of usage of, of that uh, part of the website, especially from security professionals. Um, we're almost to one billion, a billion with a B, uh, records um, breached uh, from about almost 4,500 breaches on our website. And unfortunately, those numbers are the tip of the iceberg. Uh, in many cases, the breached company or organization actually doesn't know how many records have been breached. Um, and we also know that there's a lot of um, non-reporting or non-compliance with laws that require that, that such breaches be reported to the um, 
uh, the affected individuals. So the the huge numbers that we have on our website are actually, I, I think, uh, the tip of the iceberg. And um, I, Beth, I just want to make sure that people who are listening understand about our, for example, the California security breach law, so that they yeah. know what is really being, um, you know, what is really being act- acquired. So the the law basically says that if you're even a small company and you find out that sensitive data was acquired by an unauthorized person and it was not encrypted, then you have to report it to anyone who's affected by this breach. Anybody, for example, if it's your credit cards and sensitive data or your social security number, something sensitive, your your medical information, then you have a duty to report. And that's what this chronology is showing records that had sensitive information. It isn't just, you know, an address and a name. We're talking about more sensitive information, right, Beth? Yes, it could. And you mentioned medical. Uh, it could be insurance information. Uh, it could be your password. If you live in California, the law extends to uh, password and username. Um, Account but numbers, it, but, yeah. Yeah, the driver's license number, although we don't really see uh, many on that, but that that is uh, considered to be the kind of sensitive uh, information that, when compromised, requires the breached entity to notify the individual. Right, right. And, and, you sh- and really, uh, people should know California was the first state in the nation to, um, to pass a, a, a data breach notice law, and uh, now uh, 47 of the states have such laws. In fact, some of them have even gone beyond California's law in, in terms of the strength and what the law does. Um, but California started it all, which is uh, the case in, in actually a lot of uh, privacy consumer protection measures. Yes, and I think a lot of it has to do with the Privacy Rights Clearinghouse because you have testified, I've testified on some of these things, but you have supported these bills for many, many, many years and helped testify and provide documentation for our California senators. And, and um, it's just been inc- incredible, this Assembly and the Senate. So hats off to you, Beth. That's why we're the uh-huh. most privacy-conscious state, I think. Everybody looks to California. They do, and the other thing, I mean, I appreciate uh, the praise, but for our organization, but but actually, California has a number of consumer-facing organizations and privacy-facing organizations. We all work together. Yes, and um, it's it's a very very nice working relationship that we have. Uh, I just wish that there could be this kind of environment in every state. Yes, yes. So let's get back to a little bit more about breaches, because that's in the news every day. Why do you think these breaches only seem to be getting larger and more frequent when, when we've got laws in 47 states? Why do you think this is happening? Well, you remember the old saying, or the, the bank robber asked why he banked ro- robbed banks, and he said that's because we're, that's where the money is. Right. <laughs> um, it, and, you know, uh, it used to be that hacking was done as kind of a trophy exercise. You know, look what I've done. I broke into the Bank of America's uh, uh, website, or I broke into the Pentagon. It tr- it, it's no longer trophy, although there's probably a small part of it. It's, it's for money. Yeah. And, um, there, you know, if you get, for example, if the hackers get a Social Security number, that, can be, that information can be put on um, an, an underground or black market uh, mm-hmm. forum, 
and and sold because uh, they know that you know what if a fraudster gets the social security number and a couple other pieces of information, they can use that to open up brand new uh, credit accounts, and that's called uh, new account fraud. Yes. But more and more these days, uh, what seems to be eclipsing social security numbers in terms of being the target for fraud is actually uh, payment card information. Yes. Um, payment card fraud is is big these days, and of course that's at the heart of, of the Target breach as well as the Home Depot breach. Uh, unfortunately, uh, point-of-sale equipment or devices, um, depending on how they're, they're installed, are, are apparently quite uh, vulnerable. And the bad guys know that. They, they, they know very well how to um, detect a weak spot, and, and they're going after point-of-sale systems these days. Um, but what they're, what, what's interesting, and, and I, I strongly recommend that people, uh, if they're interested in this subject, monitor the blog of Brian Krebs, K-R-E-B-S. It's Brian Krebs on security, and it's fascinating. He, he tells you all about the underground market. He tells you what the value of these pieces of financial data are pulling in. Um, you, you learn the lingo of, of this underground uh, network. And, uh, you know, he also has tips. Uh, but mostly it's, it's just an eye-opening look at the world of um, financial fraud. Yes, and you can get his feed, which is interesting. I get it, too. It's just amazing. And what's me, amazing to me is that they'll tell him these things, you know. He has the inside information. These guys will talk to him. And um, yes. that I guess he doesn't tell who they are, but he sure shares this information. I think there is kind of that trophy feeling, kind of like the old Kevin Mitnick, who um, right. who never got any money, but he broke into the FBI. He He actually went to jail, and then he's now a security expert and has written books and has actually been on our show. So, uh, yeah, it's it's a crazy time, but especially when they get a debit card, which we're going to talk about in a few minutes, right. why you don't want it, but debit cards. And, you know, when I was reading the, um, the Federal Trade Commission in terms of bank fraud, which is rampant, um, wire fraud is really the top type of bank fraud, that and, and uh, electronic funds transfers. So, you know, that kind of stuff can't be protected by a credit fraud freeze or a, I mean, a credit freeze or um, a fraud alert. So very scary. But let's go back to what do the breaches mean? Now, if somebody's listening to this and they go, oh, those breaches, I've gotten a couple of those letters, nothing ever happened. So what do they really mean for consumers? Well, it, it means, of course, to, the, the need to be always vigilant um, in terms of existing uh, existing uh, account fraud, um, which is, of course, fraud against you know your credit card or the debit card that you're currently using. It's so important to always look at those monthly statements, and even even better, get online access, and of course, use a, a secured computer to get online, uh, or, a secu- or a secured mobile phone or, or tablet. Um, but um, check check your account, you know, more than just once a month, uh, and also um, subscribe to alerts that your financial institution um, uh, provides. And I think most, if not all, of them provide alerts that keep you posted on on transactions. And if it's a trans- Transaction that you weren't involved in—that's a good sign that you're a victim of fraud. Uh, when you do detect 
fraud or, or, or an anomaly of some sort, of course, uh, report it to the financial institution immediately. Uh, don't waste any time. Um, we also we think it's important that people know the difference between debit cards and credit cards in terms yes. of what, what can happen to them um, when they're victims of fraud. We do not recommend that people use debit cards, and, and we have talked to a number of individuals who they've had their checking accounts wiped out. Exactly. And, of course, the financial institutions um, will say, well, you, you will get your money back, but we have to do an investigation first. Yeah, but that investigation might take one week. It might be, take two. We, we talked with someone. It had been taking a month, and you don't have anything in your, your uh, checking account, and, you know, you've got bills to pay. So debit cards come with inherent risk. We think that a credit card is a much better way to go. Um, and and let, me, let, you, me, let me add on to that, and you know I'm, sure. on, you know I'm in your, uh, you know, on your side with that for a long, long time. The debit card can be used online by fax, by phone, without a PIN. And the debit card, when the money, uh, you know, when a fraudster gets a hold of that, they can siphon the money out immediately. Unlike a credit card, you, you get a billing statement. And so no, right. you haven't lost any money yet. And so therefore you can, you know, you're covered by the Fair Credit Billing Act for credit card fraud. So you're never going to be held responsible. The most that they could hold you responsible is $50 and they always waive that. Exactly. So, so, so that's one thing. But, you know, I've had people call me, Beth, like you were talking about these people that they, you know, it takes a long time. Well, I've had people call me and they said, well, the, the, the bank returned my money within two days, but then they kept investigating and a week later all the money was gone because they didn't believe me when they did the investigation. So I didn't know and everything bounced. Oh, you know, I... I I, I couldn't pay my rent. I couldn't pay my uh, mortgage right. or whatever. So instead, people should get an ATM card without right. the Visa MasterCard logo, and they can still go and put money in the bank or take money out or travel and get money anywhere in the world and get a better uh, rate of return. So so that's what we both recommend, right? Absolutely. Uh, also, uh, well, I, when we talk to people, uh, like I said, people do contact us with questions and complaints. Um, many people say, you know, I don't qualify for a credit card. I, I wish I could, but I don't, and I have to use a debit card. There is an option. Uh, it's, it's not perfect, but, you know, uh, prepaid uh, cards can, can be used as well. Uh, if you can't obtain or don't want to obtain a credit card, you just have to be aware of possible fees. And then there's a risk. If you lose it, it's gone. Right. You, you, you cannot recover from a lost uh, prepaid car, but some people are going that route, and, and as I said, it has risks, um, but it, and, but it and you also, have to weigh that. Yeah, and you can go and compare them, how they protect you, at bankrate.com or creditcards.com. You know, another good thing about those, for those people who say, I can't afford those, when you get those and you maybe put $500 on it or 1000 or whatever you do as a prepaid card, you you then are building your credit back up. So people have found that if they get a couple of those after they've filed bankruptcy, that their credit score goes up. Oh, interesting. Yes. So it, I always recommend that to my clients, that it's really that's, a good idea to do that. Yeah, that's great. Okay. So what about, what can consumers um, do then really to prevent, well, we talked a little bit about this. Can you really prevent these types of financial fraud? No, you can't prevent them. Uh, you can reduce risk 
but you can't prevent them, and that's why, you know, the, the, my number one tip, of course, is always be vigilant. Watch, you know, get online access to your financial accounts and, and watch them carefully. Uh, another tip, and this has to do with, the, uh, with new account fraud, take advantage of your free annual credit report. There are three credit bureaus, as, as you know, uh, TransUnion, Equifax, and Experian, and uh, federal law says that you, the consumer, can get a free annual credit report from each of them once a year. We tell people, uh, space them out. So order from Experian now, and then in four months, Equifax, and four months after that, TransUnion, and then start all over the next year. And it's kind of like having a free uh, credit, credit monitoring service at your fingertips. And, you know, put it in your calendar and just do it um, without fail. And, and you, will, you will be doing a, yourself a great service in terms of monitoring um, uh uh, new account fraud. Yeah, and and just a little bit of a caveat with that. Look at them very carefully, but you will see all the major companies like American Express and Visa and MasterCard, they are going to all report to all three. So that's really going to be helpful. There are a few like certain um, lenders that don't report to all three or certain companies. So just make sure that you think, oh, well, I'm okay. You're not necessarily okay. You need to look very carefully at all three. And if your spouse gets it and you think, well, I looked at my spouse's, it's fine. Each person has a different one. When I do divorce mediation and I make my clients get their credit reports, sometimes we see entirely different accounts on their each of their credit reports. So it's really important, even if you are married, to uh, make sure that you have your own credit report. Now, what about this? Um, if you become a victim of a data breach, are you necessarily going to become a victim of identity theft? Not necessarily. However, if you do become a victim of a data breach, you are actually three times more likely to become a victim of identity theft. So uh, it's, it's important to, when, when, you, when you're notified by the, the breached company or the breached uh, educational uh, institution, it's important to... Take advantage of the credit monitoring that they offer you, but but you've got to realize, and this is where it gets a little tricky. We we recently put something out on our website about this. Um, the kind of credit monitoring or identity theft monitoring uh, services that you obtain should be appropriate to the type of breach that happened. So if it's if it's a a payment card breach. Um, a credit report monitoring service is not going to help you. I'm, I'm I'm extremely critical of breached entities that it's kind of like a knee jerk. They just automatically say, "Okay, uh, now you get credit monitoring and free of charge for one year." And even if it's not appropriate to, you know, let's just say it's a point of sale or, or payment card fraud, uh, credit monitoring is not going to help you. Uh, what you need is the kind of monitoring um, of your existing accounts that uh, that is offered by by some companies but the reason i'm critical about it is let's just say you have a payment card incident uh that you've been affected by and you're offered credit monitoring you'll have a um you know a false sense of security right. you'll think oh okay i can breathe easy now i've got credit monitoring but it's it's an inappropriate type of service and unfortunately it's become sort of the bad habit of breached entities to just 
offer credit monitoring even if it's not the most appropriate type of monitoring. And the problem is is that the consumers don't really recognize the difference. They think that if they do credit monitoring, they're going to be safe. It's And for me, and you know I feel exactly like you do, I think it's a deceptive practice to offer that. So if you have debit card fraud, even debit card fraud, you right. are not going to get any help because it's going to be bank fraud. No kind of bank fraud is going to cover um, be covered by your uh, credit reports. And the same thing with medical identity theft. If someone uses, until it goes to collections, I mean, if, if, if someone uses your identity to get health care, um, until those uh, you know, costs go to collections, you won't know about it. So it is, it definitely, you're absolutely right. And I know we've been talking about this a long time that there has to be a direct connection between the type of fraud that has, um, that you are exposed to and the type of prevention or a preventative service. Right. Yeah. So um, we talked about what breaches mean to consumers. So what do they mean really to companies. Yeah, and, and that's important because, you know, eventually the impacts on companies come back to harm consumers in the form of higher prices. Yeah. So I mentioned that um, 47 states now have data breach notice laws. So um, entities that could be companies, it could be educational institutions, it could be the government agencies uh, in those states must report to the affected individuals. And in some states like California, they must also report to the Attorney General. And by the way, the California Attorney General has an an excellent um, data breach uh, uh, part of the website that that is very interesting information uh, about um, breaches that are required by law to be reported to the California AG. But uh, I think most of all, uh, it's a huge cost for breached entities. it can cost one one researcher, Larry Poneman, um, it does an annual cost of data breach uh, survey every year, and it, it costs more than two hundred dollars per breached record. So let's just say you've got you know a hundred thousand um, records that have been compromised. Multiply that by two hundred, and that's a huge bill. Yep, and, and you know some, what? Some yeah, smaller, you, yeah, yeah, some smaller companies have even had to close their doors. They just simply cannot cope with it. Exactly. Well, would you believe, Beth, we are always so excited to have you on, but we are out of time. So please just give your website, and it's time for us to go. Well, thanks so much, Mari. I, I always um, appreciate being on your show. It's it's dot privacyrights.org. Well, we love you, Beth. We honor you. You do such great job. And remember to go to the privacyrights.org and just see the fabulous things that they have there. Thank you. Bye-bye. You've been listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine and KUCI.org on the net. I'm Mari Frank. Join us every Monday morning at 8 a.m. and visit our website at KUCI.org slash privacypiracy. Thanks. Stay private. The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents.